I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 125. Yes, it's our spectacular 125th episode of the regular podcast, not including the zero or one half or any of the other episodes we recorded. Yeah, you know we hit like 150 a month ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unofficial 150. Yeah, the, well, that was the Tony Bedard episode, right? Yes, the Tony Bedard episode where I also revealed that my wife was pregnant. Wow. Yeah. So really what we should do is try to schedule these things to coincide with, like, major life changes to make make them all more significant. (laughs) Yes. For episode, for the actual (laughs) episode 200, you're going to become a monk. Oh, I suppose that would be easier than you recording from the delivery room. <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, we got a we got an episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that's awesome. <laughs> You're overly impressed that we're recording. <laughs> no, I'm looking at pictures from the uh, you know was it Google Images for the cartoon. Oh, okay. I'm looking at, like, a giant space squid. Ah, I've seen that. I didn't. Well, I, I've seen that image, oh. so I was just looking for stuff. It, you know what it reminds me of? What? Squishy. Yeah, squishy. <laughs> it's probably not squishy, though. Well, most likely not, but, you know, that, that should put some, some stuff in there. <laughs> yes, that should <laughs> definitely put some stuff in there. The hell was I going to say? Nobody knows. Nobody it's knows. So early. So <laughs> let's see. We have we have all the issue sevens. I guess that's uh, is that February or March? No, that's got to be March. <clears throat> yes, yeah, it's, it's last month, so right. it's March. <laughs> okay, we're not that far behind. Nah. Even though we're midway through April. Yeah. Well, by the time they hear this, it's almost <laughs> May. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe like next next week we'll record issue eights. Nice. <laughs> uh, I think the sixes are going to go up right before. It. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we get into that, I guess uh, I think it was last week we were talking about all the Marvel stuff, or was that the week before? Uh, last week, I think. Yeah, that was well, last episode, rather. Sure. Because we actually recorded that like I don't know. Last year? It was... I don't think you were married yet. (laughs) We got advanced copies of the issue. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I was talking about all the the Marvel stuff. Yes. So, you know, I I had got the book. I, I I picked up the book a week ahead of when it was supposed to actually go on sale. So after a week, they finally released that... uh, Augmented reality program. Yeah. Oh, for um, AVX, you mean? Yeah, Avengers vs. X Men. Yes. So I got to try that out. Um, I, I haven't spent too much time with it. Like basically, like I figured out how it worked, and I tried it a couple of times, and then basically completely forgot about it. But uh, no, it's it's actually it's pretty cool. Um, is that the one where it's like the DVD extras? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so 
so that that's that's actually pretty neat. Like you have like there's one section where uh, Bendis is talking about it. And yeah, I think it, it is co-written. I think you had mentioned that co-written mm-hmm. by Bendis and Aaron. Oh, nice. Um, so he was talking about it, and then there's another scene where like you're just seeing a transition from pencils to colored art. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it's neat. You know, it's it's a nice little you know added little little bonus. But then I, you know, I finally said, okay, well, let me use my code and, you know, get the, the Infinite comic. Because the Infinite comic is, you know, that was the main draw for me. Oh, yeah, the Nova thing. Right. So I I go on the Marvel site. I, I register, you know, a name. And I had already downloaded the Marvel app on my phone. But I figured I'd do it on my computer because I have, a like, a tablet. So I can, you know, just you know, turn it sideways and view it like that. I figured, oh, this would be great. You have a tablet now? Well, it's a, it's a netbook slash tablet. It's a convertible. Oh, okay. The screen flips around and has a touch screen, so you can either use it as a netbook or a tablet. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So, you know, I enter in all the information. I, I download, not download it, but I, I guess I get access to the comic. And, you know, I'm looking at it, and it... Like, the interface was not that great, you know, using the tablet. It's like, you know, it's trying to center it, and you go from page to page, and all it gave me access to was Avengers vs. X-Men, which I had already just read. Hmm. So, I mean, like, you know, I guess it was neat seeing the digital comic, but by the same token, kind of boring. So then I'm like, okay, well, where's the Infinite comic? And I can't find it. And then I'm trying to find, like, the list of, like, my comics, and AVX isn't even showing up in there. So, like, I just got, I got really fed up, and then I I tried doing it, like, another time, and it's like, oh, you already used the code, it's invalid now. So I'm thinking to myself, it's like, oh, great, Um, I entered in the code, and now I've completely lost everything, got completely screwed out of this infinite comic, and now they're going to charge me, like, I don't know if it's, like, 99 cents or $1.99 just to view the infinite comic. Hmm. So I logged off and completely forgot about it for a couple of days, and then I went on the app just to see how, you know, see if it was on there. Sure enough, you log in with your account, and AVX and AVX Infinite were both on there. So, like, I start, you know, looking through the, the AVX comic on the phone, and, like, my god, like, what a difference as far as interfaces. Can you only view it on your phone, though? Well, as far as I can tell, like, you could probably also use the app if you had, like, the Kindle Fire or, like, an iPad. Yeah, yeah. But since the the tablet is, you know, an, it's actual Windows interface, it doesn't, you, you, know, you can't really do that on there. Mm. So, I'm, like, looking at it on my phone, and, like, it's amazing because each panel, it's, like, broken down so that each panel is, like, focused in on, and then it just goes to the next panel. So like uh, like a twenty two page issue or whatever you know I don't know I think that one's even more that's like thirty something it ends up being like you know like seventy like panels to click through on the phone but it's like each one is like designed to like show up in the panel and that's just the comic that's not even the infinite version which is designed for tablets and stuff mm. when I finally got to that part like again it's it is like custom built for, you know, for it. It's like you don't even need to zoom. 
I, I mean, I have a slightly larger screen on my phone, but, uh, I mean, it was, it was really nice. Um, I didn't, I didn't get to finish reading the Infinite comic because, like, I was basically passing out from tiredness, but, uh, yeah, what you call it? Like, I, I was very impressed. Now, the downside to, to this, and I was actually, um, I was spending some time over on the Comic Geek Speak forums, and, uh, Brian, um, Brian had highlighted this issue, Brian Deemer. Yes. As far as the pricing of the digital comics is still completely idiotic. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Right. Because you can buy, you can go into a comic book store, and for $3.99, buy Avengers vs. X-Men. You get the full, you know, comic. And then at the back, you know, and also you get the augmented reality stuff. And then at the back, you get a code for the digital comic. And in this case, you also get the infinite comic. Whereas if you went online for the digital uh, Avengers vs. X-Men, you would have to pay $3.99. You get no physical issue. You don't get the augmented reality. You don't get the infinite comic. You know, and you don't get anything else. He says, he's like, you know, if they gave me, like, a coupon for another issue, you know, or, or something, he's like, but they don't give you anything. So where, it doesn't make any sense, especially when you consider the fact that, like, you, like, w what goes into actually, like, s you know, selling a digital comic to somebody? You know, like, oh, okay, I mean, obviously Comixology is going to get a cut of it, you know, for setting the system up. But you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to have anywhere near as many people touching the comic to get it into somebody else's hands. Pricing is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, like, I... I mean, look, I... I like comic stores a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay? I mean, DCBS is a comic book store. They just mail stuff to me, you know? But... At the same time, like, pardon me, I cannot wait until the day, like, either Marvel or DC or somebody just says, you know what, screw it, we're going to do something awesome that's digital only, and we're not going to give a crap about what it means for a store. Because, like, that's where, it, like, all this, all this pricing bullshit always comes back to them not wanting to alienate one market to embrace another. Because it's the whole, like, oh, people are going to, if we if we make them cheaper digitally, then nobody's gonna go to comic stores anymore. They're just gonna get them digitally, which you know, new readers sure, but the the population of comic fans that have been keeping comic stores in business forever is like that's the the hardcore niche collector market whatever that's going to keep going to the stores for physical copies anyway. So just you might as well just say you know we're gonna offer this this digital deal and if yeah it's going to be cheaper than the print deal just because it has to be otherwise nobody's going to take it fucking seriously and we're not going to make any progress whatsoever i i don't know actually i mean because the way that they have this mm. this thing set up oh and i you know the other important thing to mention is that uh graphic.ly of, yeah, they just went out of business. What? Wait, which one were they? Gra a graphic, graphically, graphic.ly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
they well not that they went out of business, but now they're they're stopping all of their you know comic <laughs> stuff. They're closing down the comic section. They will not be producing any more apps. So you know, so basically, if you have the app, you still have access to all the comics that you purchased. But since they're not producing any new apps or anything like that, you know, they're basically taking all that out. If anything happens to your computer, your hard drive, whatever, and you lose that app, then you basically lose the ability to view your comics. Ah, uh, yeah. Now that that's like that's the major issue with digital. Like, um, what's what's the uh, Comicsology? Like, they're the ones providing the service for Marvel and DC right now. Mm. So, which doesn't make that much sense either, but yeah. Well, yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't make sense in the terms that you have to go to Marvel and log into the Marvel account to view your Marvel comics. And then you have to go to DC and log into DC and use your, you know, to, to see your DC comics, you know, or log into Comixology to view all the rest of the comics. Mm. That part is completely <laughs> idiotic. Like, just freaking merge the thing and create, like, the comic book, I, you know, I, iTunes store. Yeah, and and like actually download it to my computer. Like like I've Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's like, the DRM conflict. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. And like like I would love the fact like like we get a freaking voicemail, I can open up in iTunes and then drag it onto my desktop and it's there forever until I delete it. Mm-hmm. It's like why like even if our voicemail goes away or our email account goes away or I delete iTunes. It's still sitting there on my art drive. You know, it's uh... right. Yeah, I mean, if they if they actually did that, you know, so that you don't have to worry about somebody, you know, stealing your account. Like, obviously, their biggest worry is piracy, which basically mm. is going to happen anyway. Yeah. But I mean, like, between the DRM not knowing whether or not the company is going to be around for much longer and the pricing. You know, like, if if iTunes decided that they wanted to get into this market, then I think everybody else would fold because iTunes would give, you know... If iTunes gave, like, a decent, you know, price point, then even if it had DRM, like, you kind of, you know, you have some faith that iTunes is going to be around for quite a while. Oh, Yeah. So, and honestly, like, if you don't have to pay for a printer, if you don't have to pay to have the comic printed, then you should be, like, you should be able to sell, how much does DCBS sell a two ninety nine comic for? Uh, like, dollar and change? Dollar sixty five or so? Something like that. Right. And they, and, you know, DCBS is making some money. Uh, DC is making money. The printer is making money. You know, it's just that DCBS is making less money. So... Yeah, but they... And their whole business model works because they attract a higher volume of business through lower overall prices. So you're making your your money through quantity of sale as opposed to just like, like, oh, we're going to keep this price higher so that we can make it up with fewer sales, which just discourages more sales. Right. So, but, you know, if, like, if you're talking about a g- digital comic, well, first off, it should not be more than 
what DCBS is paying because, you know, you don't have to pay for it to actually get, you know, printed into a comic. Yeah. You know, if there were 99 cent comics, (laughs) then, you know, how many more comics would you buy each month? I can tell you this right now. Like, I would get, like, a... I mean, buying comics would be the same as buying apps, where it's just, like, it's just, like, it's an impulse thing. Right. Because, like, I can tell you, like, over the... Like, every month when I go do my DCBS order, like, I go, like, I don't do, like, the spreadsheet thing. I hate spreadsheets. So I just go through their website, and I just, like, check off, like, everything that I'm pretty sure I want to get. And then I, like, go to my cart, and I see the total, and I'm like, okay, I gotta prune this down. Right. Because, like, like, yeah, even, even though it's only, like, between, somewhere between one and two dollars or whatever, it adds up. Right. And I, I try to give myself, like, a reasonable ceiling. Mm-hmm. Whereas, <laughs> if, and I usually, like, like, I don't know, I'll go through iterations of the list or whatever. So, but if, if I had the option of saying, saying, huh, I wanna, maybe I'll, you know, after, after listening to that Tony Bedard interview, maybe I wanna try his, give his Blue Beetle another shot. I might be inclined to go to, go to the, digital store and just say oh hey three issues of blue beetle three dollars done there not even think about it but right. you give me more reason to think about it then i'm gonna start cutting stuff you know? yeah. and realistically like you said it shouldn't be more than like like digital comics should be less than print copy copy because you're you're getting less you're not getting a physical thing you're getting I, th- I mean, I was listening, I was catching up to CGS in a random order this week, <laughs> but I distinctly recall one of them, I think it was Mike, comp- commenting on how uh, he tried to, you know, he went back through their app or whatever to to see about reading some Invincible Iron Man, which is a really good book. Right, and 14 issues back, they're still three ninety nine a piece. Yeah. And it's it's the whole like like okay I mean I mean yeah like like I wasn't thrilled about DC only lowering it by a, a dollar you know after, like, and after a month <laughs> yeah like it's like okay after a month that's from three ninety nine to two ninety nine or something or two ninety nine to one uh, ninety nine I right. forget and I'm like oh that's kind of only halfway good mm-hmm. and then Marvel's like going like. The, you practically expect to see Marvel increase the price as it gets older. <laughs> and and the whole like the whole thing with like like oh well, you buy the physical copy and you'll get a free code for the digital copy, which sure you'll want for some reason, even though you just read the issue and you know, that's that's <laughs> how's that an incentive? Like that's why like the whole infinite comic thing was such a cool idea. Because they're giving you a completely different comic that works a completely different way. Like it's a different way of reading comics for like a reasonable price. But like, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, 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 it's just, just standard digital issue. You're getting less. I feel and it's the whole physical versus data thing. Yeah. You know, like if, if we had never had comic books, and they were just trying to introduce digital. I mean, like, it still wouldn't work because the price is too high 
for the amount of entertainment that they're giving you. Mm. You know, like, when you go and buy a comic book, you know, and you actually have the tactile experience and whatnot, it's like, it's it's something physical, and, you know, it, it's hard enough to justify paying $3 for a physical item. But when, you know, when you're talking about, like, a digital comic, and, you know, you go to, you know, AVX, where they're charging, you know, four bucks for the, the brand new comic, and... Basically, if you if you pick out just a couple of issues of Marvel that are three ninety nine, you know, you pick out all the Avengers, you know, and X Men books or whatever, the top books, or whatever, you know, what do you, you got? Uh, five comics for twenty dollars. Yeah. And you can read those in like an hour or less. Now, for twenty dollars, you can go to the the store and buy a video game that's going to give you like hours of entertainment. You know, sometimes days of entertainment. It's yeah. like the it doesn't it doesn't sit right. Like the, the 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 pricing does not make sense, especially for digital. Yeah, and I mean AVX is a great example because remember back when they first announced that, I was pretty sure I was going to get it, and I'm ending up skipping it outright because just the price point for like that price point for that many issues just meant like okay i can't afford to do that whereas if i could if like i don't have a tablet if i had a tablet i could go on an app or if i could like go on like a browser thing on my computer and buy them digitally and they were like 99 cents or something then again yeah that's that's like 99 cents how often does this come out like every two weeks or something i think so yeah, nine like ninety nine cents every two weeks. Yeah, that's yeah, that's easy. That's, yeah. I would do that. I would be reading AVX right now, and Marvel would be getting AVX worth money out of me, as opposed to not at all. I mean, even if it was like a dollar fifty, yeah, you know, or let's see, three three ninety nine comic at DCBS would probably be closer like two and change. So if they had it for a dollar seventy five. I think that it would still be reasonable in, in comparison. I mean, you know, like if it's a dollar seventy-five, it's not going to achieve the same impulse buys. And I mean, you know, we've had this conversation before. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm. Well, we'll get off of it in a second. But you know, it's just like if you look at the cost, you know, and you have to imagine that, you know, either. Either by going the infinite method, where you're creating the comic for digital, or you know you create programs that can cut up a, uh, you know a regular comic and turn it into a digital one, you know easier because you know it's easy to create a program like that. Then you know the amount of work needed to actually you know turn that into a digital comic is minimal, and then you don't have to pay. You know, you don't have to pay the paper costs. You don't have to, you know, worry about how much money the the comic book store is going to make off of it. You know, Comicsology. You know, you ne you negotiate a deal where they get a cut of it, but you know, ninety nine cents is going to cover your costs. And if ninety nine cents is going to cover your costs and you're going to make a profit from it, more people are going to buy that one issue, and the people that already you know spend like you know. $30, $40 on, you know, 
some comics are going to spend $30 getting, you know, whatever they want because it's so cheap, you know, you're much more likely to bite the bullet and, and find a new comic. Do you think the whole Infinite thing might be like a Marvel stepping stone to to not needing Comixology anymore? Well, I think it's through Comixology. Well, yeah, I know, but like... Like, they're making, like, they're taking steps in, I think, the right direction to figuring out how to do this digital comics thing better. So, you gotta think at some point they're going to say, you know, granted, we're kind of in the habit because of Diamond and all, but when you really look at it, Comicsology, like, how necessary of a middleman are they? Like, like Marvel, there's nobody at Marvel, or Marvel can't find anybody to just make a program that does for them what Comicsologies does. Well, you know, you're, you're talking about you're talking about moving away from like the one model that you know can run everything. Because they seem pretty intent to not, you know, move away from DRM. In mm. which case, you know, like the whole issue of sorting out the DRM and keeping track of everything like that, I think that's, you know, that's the issue that they don't really want to deal with and that they're willing to pay somebody else to deal with. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like, like, instead of Marvel paying a cut to somebody else to basically be a distributor for digital stuff. They could just, like, come up with their own thing to handle that for them so they don't have to pay anybody else anything and they get a larger... They get, like, basically all of the profit from it. Right. Well... I don't know. I I guess the downside would be in that now you start sectioning it off, so like here's here's the only place you get the Marvel comics, right? Right. <clears throat> Which I mean, I think it's it's kind of like that anyway. Yeah. I, I you know I, I I actually need to go and and check out Comicsology some more before I can actually you know confirm or deny that. But what you go? I know like Marvel, you have to go to the Marvel site to find out what sales they're having on Mondays or whatever. 99 cent Mondays, 99 cent Thursdays, whatever. Hmm. But, okay. Now that I'm completely irritated, (laughs) (laughs) now that our listeners are like, wow, that's a really depressing view of the future. We're always sad when we record in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about Green Lantern number seven. Okay, who did did that? Uh, Jeff Johns right, wrote it, Doug Monkey drew it, and then you got Christian Alame and Keith Champagne on other duties. <laughs> duties. Duties. Um, you start out with the Indigo Corps, or the Indigo Tribe, uh, all congregated. Um, they're planning something. They're looking at some kind of like visual wall where they are looking at Green Lanterns and talking in their Indigo language. Then we flash over to Sinestro. He just charged up Hal's ring, and he's like, well, we've got work to do. Let's go. 
And uh, I was like, no, I'm I'm done with all that. You know, I'm going to do my own thing now. To which Sinestro was like, okay, well, you know, you're either going to come with me or I'm going to kill Carol. <laughs> <laughs> At which point Hal just kind of like leaps forward and punches him in the jaw. So they, you know, they do their, their fighting. And uh, Sinestro is like, you know, look, you need to help me out. We, we have a duty to the universe, you know, to do good. And I've seen prophecies from the Book of the Black that the Guardians are going to replace all the Green Lanterns. So that, that gets Hal's attention. Unfortunately, at that very moment, the Indigo Lanterns pop in with a knock. Uh, at least they knock first. At least they knock. And uh, they're like, uh, hey, Hal, um, we're here for Sinestro. You just, you know, move along. You know, we're, we're going to we're gonna get him. You know, he never should have been given a Green Lantern ring, so we're going to go take him. And Hal's like, you know, but he was about to tell me something important. I need to know what that was. And meanwhile, while all this is going down, Carol runs off to find a box, tears her, tears her bedroom apart before finding it. She gets the box, and inside the box is a... Star Sapphire ring. It's like, oh, that's where that was. <laughs> so uh, she slips it on to try and save Hal. <laughs> the Indigos are about to uh, blink out and uh, transport to where they're going. Hal races towards the transport bubble, and uh, it gets transported with them, <laughs> at which point ha- uh, Carol, you know, she's all suited up now, and uh, she can't find she can't find how because it just blinked out. Um, and then we clip over to Oa. They're in the science cells. Um, Sinestro apparently brought Lissa Drac to Oa. Um, she's all locked up. Guardians are wondering where the Book of the Black is. And uh, they send Boz away so they can kind of interrogate her. She has no idea who the book is, or, you know, who has the book. The Guardians, uh, they figure out. You know, they, they figure who they who who does have it. Um, then you blink over to Hal in a <laughs> he's in a cell again with a dead ring. <laughs> Fun, funny uh, funny quote. Every time I think I'm out. Um, and then the prisoner next to him is like like grasping at him. You know, it's like telling him, you know, free me. I'll do whatever you want. You know, if you don't free me, I'll kill you. <laughs> that took a left turn fast <laughs> free me I'll be your slave quick do it or I'll tear your arm off <laughs> um, but that guy's blown off by uh, Black Ant uh, who is the Indigo Lantern he says a bunch of gibberish um, how's like speak English damn it and apparently that's all you have to tell an Indigo before they actually start speaking your language Amazing. Just nobody asked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh. You, you want me to speak a language that you understand? Too? Oh, why didn't you say so? All this time. <laughs> um. Yeah. He basically just says we are all saved. Sinestro will be saved too. Um. Sinestro is going to be reborn with compassion. Um. And that's uh, that's basically it. With where you have the rest of the Indigo tribe looming over a chained up Sinestro. Yes, now, let me let me paint you a picture here, Jim. Okay. All right. Hal Jordan is powerless on Earth, doing a moderate job of living a normal life. Yes. Then Sinestro shows up, 
plants a powered ring copy on his finger and basically tells him, like, I'm, you're going to come help me with this thing out in space. Okay. And, you know, Hal initially <clears throat> resists him and tries to attack him, but it doesn't work because, you know, the Sinestro made the ring. And they end up going, they end up getting attacked by the a member or two of this uh, this one other core. And when that's done, they end up on the homeworld of that core. Uh, you know, they're captured separately. Hal is depowered, and he's back in his whatever civilian clothes he was wearing at the time, and he's in a cell by himself. And Sinestro is about to have awful things done to them by. Other members of that same core. You, you, you know what that is? That is... That is the exact story arc we just finished reading before this one started. And it's also this issue. Yeah, yeah but I, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll, it'll go differently this time. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. This one will have a different color palette and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I like I finished this issue. I'm like, well, here we are again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's why that's why I made note of of what Alan said every time I think I'm out. So, what did you think of it this time? <laughs> oh, this time around, uh, I think I think now that they've had one go around to practice it, they did it better. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Again, like I'll. I'll do. I have to say, I don't usually nitpick about this, but it's one of those like, like the arcs called like the Secret of the Indigo Tribe or whatever it's called, and you know it's called the Secret of the Indigo Tribe, and the cover is like, can they survive the shocking secret of the Indigo Tribe? And the cliffhanger at the end is, oh man, Sinestro is gonna get like a different color ring, I guess. Oh. Like okay, because no nobody who has one ring ever gets another one. So that's, <laughs> that's shocking, right there. Especially since we didn't see a teaser image portraying that exact thing. The issue immediately before. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they'll be able to survive the shocking secrets of the Indigo Tribe. I don't know. They might kill Hal. I think they've been gunning for him for a while. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure it'll be a temporary fix, though. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, you, you, you basically summed it up. I mean, it's a decent story, but, um, I don't know. It, it, this one just seemed to me like we had to get through this in order to get to, like, the actual good part of the story. Did we? I guess. Well, not that we needed to, but they made us. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think my best, my my, my, my best, my favorite part of uh, of the story was Carol putting the ring on. Oh yeah, there's that. Now I, mean, I, I, I know you probably hated that. Can I just tell you that page where at the bottom it's her slipping the ring on? Yeah. And I'm like, I stopped for a moment, and I'm like, okay. I'm gonna turn this page. Did they redesign the costume? I'm I'm gonna see I'm gonna see it. I just took a breath and braced myself and I turned the page. <laughs> oh. 
And it's like someone punched my brain in the gut. It's like, it's like you had, uh, cause I mean, look, Fatality's Star Sapphire suit used to be this exact suit and they re- redesigned her. It's not perfect, but it's better. It's definitely <clears throat> a lot better. So I thought, you know what? Maybe that's going to be the standard for that design now. You know, maybe everybody who had that design now has Fatality's design, right? Or maybe Carol will have a completely different design or something. So as long as it's not that retardedly awful one she's been using in this era. But no, it's exactly the same. It's just as stupid and craptastic as it has been. Yeah, so there's that. There's a uh, so there's Carol. Yeah. Yay. I like it. Yeah, you would. Yep, I do. Um, I guess something to note is that they're on most likely the Indigo homeworld here. Not only do they have jail cells, but they have prisoners. <clears throat> yeah. Well, remember like flash that uh flashback during the war where uh. Uh, Indigo 1 was in a cage. Right. <clears throat> kind of makes you wonder, like, you know, okay, I, I think it's, it's pretty obvious at this point that most likely these people are, you know, it, once we saw Indigo 1 in the Book of the Black, like, you kind of have an idea that <clears throat> the ring itself, and I think there was a time when the ring, oh yeah, that was also in the Book of the Black. When the ring comes off, Indigo 1 becomes like a murderous, you know, like a like a villain kind of person. A murderous murderer? Sure. It's like, you know, she you, you can tell that well, first off that she's not happy <laughs> that she that somebody, you know, put the ring on her in the first place. All she wants to do is find Dobbins, sir, you know, and uh and murderously murder him. But um I don't know where I was going with that. Well, and take, keep that in mind when you look at Black Hand. Right. Who, you know, we know what he was like. He was like a... a he was basically a genocidal necrophiliac before, and now he's mellowed out. Quite a bit, yeah. So, like, were you going to go back to the whole, like, maybe they're all prisoners theory? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, or all criminals or something. You, you would think that. But then my question is, okay, well, if they if they're taking prisoners, and like this guy, he seems like, you know, the guy in the cell next to Hal, is like really eager to get out. Like, first off, how long has he been there? <laughs> how long does it take before they turn you into an indigo tribesman? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. What would be the point of locking them up? <laughs> well, isn't uh, I forget now. Didn't they always used to say, like, the indigo light is, like, the rarest or the weakest or something? It's like, maybe there's not enough of it to do quick conversions all the time? That's that's a good ex- explanation. Yay, I win. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's true. Like, they're, they're just stockpiling people. <laughs> yeah, I you know, like, I really hope we get some answers soon on this indigo tribe, because, like, I don't know. I'm, so, I'm, I'm losing interest as we're going along. Yeah. Because, you know, there's there's certain things that we need to know. 
Well, supposedly issue 9 is going to be big. I read issue 8 already. Oh, and you're not impressed? I mean, there were some cool parts to it, but there weren't... I don't know if there were any secrets answered <laughs> to the Indigo <laughs> Tribe. You know? Well. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We need to know... Uh, well, what I want to know is, where are they? Like, where is their home planet? You know, what what is the correlation with Abin Sur? Um, I assume that's, like, the big question they're going to answer. Yeah. Like, the story arc. I thought it was funny that when Sinestro put a gun to Carol's face, mm-hmm. Hal's reaction was to run up and punch him in the face with <laughs> Blatant disregard for whether or not Carol gets shot in the face. <laughs> yeah. I really like that panel. Of the of the punch? No, of the gun to her head. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like the I think the two best panels in this issue are both panels where it's a close up of Sinestro holding a weapon to somebody's face. Because <clears throat> a few pages later, when he has the knife to Hal's jugular, <laughs> that looks really awesome too. Yeah. <laughs> Like I love her eyes in that in that yeah, shot. Yeah, exactly. Do you think he would have shot her? No. Yeah, probably not. I I, I definitely don't think that he would have. <clears throat> Only because he knew he he knows that he could use her later. Yeah. You know. So. <clears throat> and I like that one little joke towards the beginning where he's like, "I'm never working for anyone again, not including me." Not including her. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah. Okay. That's enough of that issue. <clears throat> yeah. Now let's move on to a real winner. Green Lantern Corps number seven. I can't tell if you really liked it or not. <laughs> That's right, you can't. <clears throat> well, it was written by Peter J. Tomasi. Yep. Uh, drawn by Claude St. Aubin. Yep. And so on. So, (laughs) (laughs) and the other guys did other stuff, and etc. Scott Hanna inked it. Yeah, and L Tab colored it. Yeah, I didn't want to find the credits page. All right, so we open at a, you know, we're on Oa. It's the crypt of the Green Lantern Corps, and the main cast of this book are attending the funeral memorial. Ceremony that Morrow is holding for all of the Green Lanterns that died in the last arc. <laughs> no, no, it's just Kurt. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you mean there were others? Oh wow. Nobody else mattered. It's okay. Oh, that's the awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we find out that. Oh well. Yeah, yeah. I guess there's this scene thrown in there where Guy Gardner's standing before the Guardians, and they're chewing him out because he used... He weaponized some prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't, they're not really keen on that, but he's like, you know what? This is exactly like World War II. And he's, they're like, what? No, it's not. Shut up! It's World War II. So then we move on from that. And <clears throat> we come to find out that John... Basically, he, he faked his mission report... To reflect, um, to say that Kurt died a hero. You know, he <clears throat> he 
gave this one final grand gesture of will and and strength to to allow John and Vandor to escape with their lives and and stop that alien Stargate from happening and which is completely a lie. But he I don't know, he he What was I gonna say? <clears throat> that doesn't matter. It was completely a lie. <laughs> um, you know, Vandor is like telling is kinda he's got John's back and that he's gonna support whatever story John wants to tell and he's trying to reinforce to John that yeah, you did the right thing. You know, you had to make a hard decision and you know, I hope when the time when and if the time comes you would do the same for me. And John's John doesn't really take much solace from that. He decides <clears throat> As an act of atonement, he had, he'll be the one to deliver Kurt's body back to his home world, and and Guy Gardner blatantly doesn't buy any of this. I think he he basically knows exactly what happened, and he's he's just kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, that that report you gave Joe was accurate, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I assume there will be more on that later, but um, <laughs> so John gives. John takes uh, Kurt's body back to Kurt's home planet and basically has to deal with the heart-wrenching giving of news to Kurt's family, which consists of his mother, father, and developmentally challenged brother. And when it comes down, when it comes time to, to, I don't know, you, you would almost expect this to be the scene where he bears all and confesses everything that he did to them because he feels he deserves it. And he does feel he deserves to be to be taken down for it, but in the end, it's more important to just to give them peace of mind to help cope with the tragedy of losing their loved one, and that's what he does for them. And he ins- engraves Kurt's tombstone <clears throat> and yeah. Nice little ending. What'd you think? Uh, I don't know. This was like... It's almost like the kind of issue where it's like, do, do we really need to read this in Green Lantern? I would say yes. I don't know. Because it's... it's a, it, it gives consequences to the actions. It takes a break from like the bigger stuff going on to humanize the whole thing and I mean like my big complaint about last issue was oh they're gonna give they're gonna tie Jon Stewart to someone's death again and now he's gonna carry that burn around for the rest of his goddamn life because that's all they ever do with Jon Stewart and this issue is completely different from what I expected them to do so I was happy to see it yeah but like by the same token (laughs) <laughs> he's yeah okay so he's not tied to the death exactly now he's tied not only to the death but also also to the lie to cover it up to make him look like a hero yeah which which i think is a welcome change because <laughs> no because every time every time we go through this with john it's always always john makes a snap decision or john doesn't act and Somewhere between one and a billion people die, and then we just get 
John moping around for years going, oh, I'm so, I feel so guilty, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's just kind of like cool with it. <clears throat> with this, it's like, it's a different approach to it. That uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it's probably also a, a, a uh, result of Tomasi wanting to treat this book more like a, uh, not a war comic, but the emphasize the military aspect of it. So that's probably why we got this issue. Yeah. But <clears throat> I don't know. I, I like it. You know, like when, you know, when the other guy says, uh, you know, it's like, you're like the conscience of the core. <clears throat> I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't think that's the right word. I don't, I don't think it's the, you know, the correct term for what, what John actually is like his role. Like, yeah. you know, he's not, not so much that he's the conscience, but he's the guy that's, you know, he's the one that makes the hard decisions. Yeah. I agree. Like, that's not really, it wasn't a good choice of words, but I mean, I can forgive that if only because like when you're consult, trying to console somebody, you know, you're going to say stuff that's not like, that isn't going to like a hundred percent apply. I mean, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I understand why John did what he had to do. And if he, like, I, I wonder, like, how different the story would have been if, if like, John had, you know, it said, told everybody the truth. You know, that he, he's the one, you know, he killed him because he was going to give up the secrets. And... You know, like obviously he he did what he did, you know, for for the right reasons, but you know it has negative consequences. But here he did what he did, and then he goes and it's like those con- you know he's not he's not getting talked down because of those consequences. You know, it, it's for a completely you know different reason. I don't know. It's just. This is weird to me. This issue was very odd. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think he should have lied? Well, I guess two parts. Do you think he should have lied in his report? And then do you think he should have lied to the family? Well, well I think those are two completely different things. Well, with the family, you know, well, first off, he didn't need to lie. You know, you could just say that he was killed in the line of duty. You know, yeah. he served, you know, many years, you know, doing, you know, the tough and honorable job of being a Green Lantern, and he died in the line of duty. You know, and that's where you, you, you end it. You know, he was a very honorable honorable Green Lantern, you know. Because, I mean, honestly, you, you don't need to, you don't need to add in the, the fact that, you know, at the very last minute he was about to cave in and, you know, kill the entire Green Lantern Corps. But the family didn't need to know the details. But the Green Lantern Corps, I mean, now you have this guy who who did crack under the pressure. You know, his willpower did give out, and he's in the Hall of Heroes. And, I mean, looking in that picture, the other Green Lanterns that also died because they were able to hold out and they just died from the torture are nowhere to be found. You know, like, where does, why does Kurt get special privilege? Is it just because John, you know, John killed him? 
That one might just be an art mistake or whatever. Or maybe but, Kurt was the last in line. But if that's the case, <clears throat> then they they made a conscientious decision to not, you know, show any of them in the uh, in the hall. Because listen, you could make a you, you can make a point. It's like make sure you also show these Green Lanterns, or make a, a reference in the dialogue that they just interred all the other. You know, dead into the, the you know the hall. Yeah. Well, I mean, that isn't that where they put all dead Green Lanterns? That's like, I mean, we see their like <laughs> their bodies being carted off immediately after that. Like this, like this issue has like a really, really specific focus of the implication of this specific death. So, I mean, yeah, you could have had like other bodies there but <clears throat> I mean it's they're not really the point uh, I don't know I mean like I guess the other thing was um, I think well, Claude St. Aubin he doesn't normally do art on this book right no no it's usually um, uh, <clears throat> Fernando Pissarin right right so I mean you know the while while I think uh, Saint Aubin did a good job, um, I think he definitely kept the style mm. that Basarin does. It did look a little off here and there. So yeah. between that and the story, I mean, I don't know. It was it was a little unsettling this issue, I would say. Yeah, which I mean, it, it kind of fits. And the the guy guy with the guardians, I thought was <coughs> weird. Yeah, well, I can forgive that scene just because it's awesome to see guys standing on that little planet. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, you know, he gets up, he's, like, posing on it, he's sitting on it. Like, it's... I like to think, Jan Fed is just, like, doing that that uh, cliche photographer thing where you're just, like, like, crouching around in different, like, positions and taking, like, a million pictures <laughs> of... <laughs> and he just flies away totally satisfied with himself. <laughs> yeah. Adios, blue chachos. <laughs> like, just, just pooped in your moon. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, so. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, looking at the art now, like, would it be fair to call Claude St. Alban like, kind of a, like, a mix between Fernando Passar and, and Doug Monkey? Cause like look looking around looking at that uh like paid like just like how he does faces in that funeral scene at the beginning and then and then kind of like when um, they're flying through space with the bodies and all that it's like you, I would I would say it's more <laughs> it's like uh, it's almost like a Pissarin book like with a cartoonier lens. Hmm. Um. Because I think his, his his stuff isn't quite as uh, tight and defined as Pissarin. Yeah. Did you see the one panel, like the first page probably. at the apartment? Hang on a second. I probably did. I mean, I read the, the issue like twice, so I probably saw the panel. Uh, it's the apartment where they're first at the apart. Wait, it's the panel where they're first at the apartment, mm-hmm. 
and the bottom one where John just has this really small baby head <laughs> on a neck that just extends up really high. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I thought it was cool to note that <clears throat> on page two, Tama- uh, Tomasi. Tomasi grew his limbs back, everybody. No, Isamat <laughs> has his full arms and legs back again. Took long enough. Yeah, well... Yeah, know. well, that's that's if they're actually paying attention. Oh. I mean, <clears throat> it could be completely wrong. I think next issue he'll have stubs again or something. <laughs> um, I like the touch that <clears throat> that uh, when John flies off with the body, you know, he or he flies past like this, I don't know, cosmic tour bus or something, <laughs> the <trans-> and every- <clears throat> and everybody's just kind of looking on, yeah, and like miners on a moon are like saluting, and like so are other Green Lanterns. They take their helmets off. <laughs> they all die of, of exposure. God. And the whole, like, like that shot like where it's all black, where it's like, he's got like seven hours to just, to he has to do this for like the next seven hours. And then once he gets to the planet, he's up there for another, what, half hour or something? So I thought that was a nice touch. The whole, like, <clears throat> like hitting you with, like, how long... He had to just be alone with this and his thoughts, and yeah, yeah. And at first, when he got to the planet, I thought it was an art mistake because I'm like, because <clears throat> like the brother looked like an adult, but was being written like he was he was a child. So I'm like, was I'm like, did they just get the character model wrong? But then yeah. like they explained that, so I'm like, okay, that's fine now. It almost looks like they're, like, fairly androgynous-looking beings. Yeah. I'm sorry, that panel where, you know, the mom and dad are crying over the coffin, and the son comes running around the corner excited, yelling, Kurt's home! Like, that's, like, that's, they sold that. That was good. That was really well done. I still have issue with, like... Like, I still think it sounds weird when they refer to themselves as, like, Lantern Stewart, Lantern whatever, Lantern this. It's like... Because I felt like they... It almost would come off better if he... Like, when he's like, he's like, Brit, it's Lantern Stewart, where are you? Like, like in this instance, shouldn't he be kind of calling himself John or something? But I guess if you go with, like, the military yeah. thing of this, this is like saying it's Colonel whatever or something. <laughs> Parents name their kids Kurt and Bert. Yeah, it happens. I don't know. Yeah, I was happy with this issue. I'm glad. Beat the crap out of the last issue we did today. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would say, if anything, I thought it was a little heavy-handed. Yeah, but I think I think it helped that it didn't resolve anything. <laughs> <laughs> because like if this was like if like no cause I mean it because if you had John do that last issue and then 
this issue, he feels bad for a while, but then talks to the family and makes it okay. Like, I think the fact that he, the fact that he had to lie to them and basically, like, keep going the thing that's torturing him in order to give these people peace of mind, I think that made this a better issue and it, it made it better going forward. Because it continues the gray area of, like, okay, is John doing the right thing? <clears throat> Which, kind of, yeah, but kind of not. <laughs> I think he was definitely, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. He definitely did the right thing while he was on the planet. Oh, yeah, no, that's not the issue. But the after whatnots. Yeah. <clears throat> and this cover... Yeah. Awesome cover. I Yvonne, wish it... Yvonne Hayes. Yep. Like, if I wish it didn't have, like, that text blurb in the middle of it. Like, the, John Stewart killed Green Lantern. What happens next? Because it's, like, it's such a well-done image. They took the time to really play with, like, the lighting and the placement of everything. Yeah. And, like, that starburst behind the... The, like in the the top left corner, yeah. and how they play with the transparency of some of the letters of the title and the logo and everything. It, it is so well done. It would have been interesting to see that without mm. all the extra dialogue and whatnot on it. Yeah, I mean, I saw the in the the solicitations. I saw this this cover as like an image without all the cover copy, mm-hmm. but without the Green Lantern core on it, like. Like, this image without all the extra stuff, but keeping the title, that would look great. Which one shall, shall we do next? Well, let's, let's do uh, New Guardians. Okay. Okay? Okay. So, uh, this issue, Green Lantern, New Guardians, number seven, written by Tony Bedard, art by Tyler Kirkham. Love that art. <laughs> This is the issue where Invictus... Oh, wait, you're slighting Tony Bedard now? You've had him on the show and you're like, ha, we don't need him anymore. No, I was commenting on how much I love Tyler Kirkham's art. Yeah, but you're like, oh yeah, Tony Bedard wrote it. Oh, and Tyler Kirkham drew it, and I love his art. Well, I love the story, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, backpedal. Yeah, okay. This was was a really cool issue. Um, I think this is, yeah, this is hands down my favorite issue of the month. Ooh. So, this is the one where we get the origin, basically, of Invictus. Um, he uh, He's one of the, the angels of Vega. So, like, millions of years ago, you had uh, this race of angels that watched over um, all of uh, Vega, the Vega system, including Okara, you had Maltus in there, um, Euphorix, and Tamaran, uh, among others. Which, you know, I was looking at it, it's like, you know, they, they watched over Maltus. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's definitely going to come back. But, um, you know, one species in particular, these, these rock people, um, was it the Shangrilin? So, yeah, he deputizes the Shangrilin basically to go out and spread, <laughs> you know, spread love and virtue throughout the universe. Well... Then all of a sudden, Larflees pops up, Agent Orange. This must have been right around the time where he got the, the battery. Again, this is millions of years ago. Um, so yeah. yeah, this is. I, I think this was when um, 
the Guardians made that deal. You know, right. you can keep it, but stay in Vega. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like, right after he found it, you know, he <laughs> wants everything, whatever. He wants basically everything in Vega, and you have these archangels, you know, that are blocking the way. So he uh, he resolves to, you know, to capture an angel for his Orange Lantern Corps. The only problem is that after an angel dies, the essence goes to the other angels. He, you know, he can never catch it. So, you know, that becomes like his his most uh, coveted prize. So what does he do? He goes, he slaughters all those rock creature Changerlins, and uh, in like the final battle, um, Invictus, who now he's the last angel left. So he's been he's powered up by all the other angels of Vega. He actually tears a hole between this universe and the next universe, and he's going to kick kick Larfleeze out. Uh, only problem is those uh, orange lantern Changrelins now. When Invictus looks back, it like you know seeing that you know the future of Vega had been wiped out. You know it kind of makes him falter. Larflees clips his wings and uh, shoots him through the, the vortex into the next universe, and you know he's banished for millions of years. Now while he you know was over in this other universe, he spends these millions of years building his you know orrery of worlds, um, basically strip mining other planets to get the materials. Now to build an orrery of worlds. <laughs> you have to basically like strip mine a galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Like that's because you're not getting enough iron and, and stuff like that from from one <laughs> solar system. You're basically strip mining a galaxy. So he found some galaxy in this other world, strip mined it, and then he genetically you know altered the races on you know from other places to <laughs> match you know the uh, the races from Vega. So I mean, like you know, they're they're playing up the amount of power that Invictus has, which I mean, it's even more power because of the fact that he he's powered up by all the other angels. Um, yeah. So you know, Kyle is you know trying to talk to him and explain to him like, look, you know, we can't you can't you know kill us. It's like, why don't you just take our rings? He's like, if if I could do that, <laughs> don't you think I would have wiped out Larfleeze? you know, millions of years ago. So he can't take their rings. Um, meanwhile, Larflees is, uh, you know, wondering why um, Sade hasn't uh, gotten contact with the Lanterns yet. Too much interference. Then, uh, Lise, you know, she finally, you know, returns to the group. Um, and while Kyle is, you know, maybe trying to make a little bit of progress... Blaze comes in and attacks him. So uh, he's not too happy about that. He goes on a rampage. You know, everybody's fighting. Monk uh, links up to uh, St. Walker's Hope. And uh, they kind of they go at Invictus with like a double power of, of Hope. Does nothing whatsoever. Um, Invictus is about to attack St. Walker. And Arkillo steps in. Um, cause he's, uh, I guess he's feeling a little, uh, like he, like he kind of like he owes him one for saving his tongue. 
fixing his tongue. And basically everybody's coming out of Invictus, and, and Kyle is like, you know, well, wait a second. He's like, you're, you're an angel, supposedly, and, you know, first off, you can't hold, you know, you can't hold Larfley as responsible for the millions of years of evolution that happened in, in Vega. Because he was basically, you know, trapped in a tiny little, you know, cave the whole time anyway. So, and then if you look at all of us, you know, typically speaking, we could never see past our own emotions. And yet here we are working as a team. He's like, it's kind of a miracle, you know, and you want to just wipe that out. So Invictus makes a deal and says, okay, well, if you, you know, want me to not destroy you and, uh, and everything else... Which, by the way, he was also going to wipe out the actual Vega to replace it with the Orrery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in order to not have all that happen, the, uh, the the color core is going to have to kill Larflees for him. <laughs> yeah, and I I do appreciate them having an actual reason for this ship to be designed visually this way. Mm-hmm. Still think it looks dumb, but it makes sense in terms of we're going to get rid of the existing solar system and just slide this into place. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. When I read this, after I read this, I realized who was behind all the rings. Oh, yeah? Yes. You figure it out? I'm assuming you're talking about Sade. Yes. It is. Because <clears throat> then she, like, this is like the third or fourth time she's, Larflees has been like, like, my new guardians, and she's just kind of under her breath said, yeah, your new guardians, or something like that, right? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's like, you know, our new guardians are still working together. It's like, my new guardians, mine! It's like, of yeah. course. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, when you look back at Blackest Night, and how, like, Ganthet could basically snap his fingers and make all the different colored rings duplicate themselves. So, right. like, it makes sense that Sade could, like, could, uh, remote control them to go find Kyle. Yeah, and and honestly, <clears throat> you would think that Sade would probably be able to, you know, get away from Larflees, but if she feels like there's <clears throat> a reason to still be there. You know, that's different. Yeah, like, I, I don't remember if there was any stakes involved, but, like, is her... Was her agreeing to go with him gonna keep him from doing something else or something? I don't know. I don't well, no, in order to get him to help out with uh, Blackest Night, you know, the price was going to be a guardian. Yeah, which I suppose... Once Blackest Night was done, they could have always just not paid him, but... <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they gave him a guardian. They didn't say for how long, though. Oh, that's true. So I mean, I mean, come on, what are you going to do, make Larflees matter? Yeah, really. Um... Oh, what do you think about the fact... Because this is something that Chad brings up every now and then. How we can kind of forget how extremely old and powerful Larflees is. Right. Well, yeah, that's why I kept making a point as far as, you know, this is a million years ago. And also, so if this is a million years ago, then these angels, like, 
well, actually, it's not a million years ago. It's millions of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, right? Was it was it yeah. longer? No, Invictus says millions. Um, yeah, because I mean, like, the thing that I'm looking at is you have these archangels of Vega. <laughs> now, Vega, you know, they, they tell you from the mega cities of Maltus to the jungles of Okara, from the mountains of Euphorix to the deserts of Tamaran. Now, first off, I'm not really familiar with Euphorix is. Um, I don't. They might have made that up. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, they they may have. It, it may be something. Uh, and then there's also the Changrelin. Well, I guess Changrelin is actually the place where the rock people were. Yeah. But Changrela. Yeah. Exactly. But Maltus. That's where the Guardians were originally from. Hmm. You know, like, that's where, from Maltus, you get the Guardians, you got the, uh, the... Controllers. The, the Controllers, the Star Sapphire, um... Zamorans. The Zamorans. Um, they, those were the, the first three races from Maltus. Then you also had the Scions, um, and, uh, I want to say there was one other one. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, like, you know, when you have, like, basically the three most powerful races in the universe come from one planet, that kind of leads me to believe that these angels of Vega have something to do with the Guardians as well. Hmm. <laughs> so it's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it's an offshoot race. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, it, it would it would also help to explain why <laughs> when Kyle had like one of each ring on, his armor looked a lot like uh, mm. the the Vega Angels. That's true. And think about that. Larflees on a whim murdered a race of angels. <laughs> Like, that, that alone, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, something I, I appreciated is towards the beginning here, they gave kind kind of an explanation of what's up with Glomulus. Because we've been wondering, like, all right, what does it mean? Like, he's is Glomulus, like, how much Larflees is there? You know, is he... <clears throat> Like what's his whole deal? Like is is what's what's he gonna be like when he's not in the Ori anymore or whatever? And uh, Invictus is talking about Larflees and says, um, uh, "Whenever the beast slew a rival, his orange ring stole the victim's essence and identity, imprinting it upon an energy construct. Thus, every orange lantern is an, is the echo of a fallen enemy." So, <clears throat> you know, I I take that as kind of like like the the Slimer comparison that everyone from us to Kyle has been making for Gal- for Glomulus is kind of accurate. So, like, we're basically they've got the ghost of Glomulus essentially. Or like, <laughs> did you ever take like Silly Putty and press it down on a comic strip and you pull it back and you got kind <laughs> of a, a warped imprint of the comic strip yes. on the Putty? That's what Glomulus is. <laughs> so we're looking at a Silly Putty Glomulus. <laughs> Yes, they they took Larflees took some orange energy putty 
and pressed it down on Glamulus's mind soul and <laughs> pulled it back. I think uh, in the beginning, uh, where you see where Larflees first shows up in this comic, yes, um, and he's surrounded by three other orange lanterns. Mm-hmm. One of them is a tamarin. One of them is one of the changrillins. And the other one, I mean, it kind of looks like a slee stack, so I don't know yeah. that one. But uh, I'm well, they li- sure. they they live in uh, Euphorics, don't you know? <laughs> I guess yeah, maybe uh, it, it might have been. It might be an Okaran. Um, I think we might have seen them on Okara. Oh. But uh, what do you call it? I'm pretty sure that like the the Shangrilin and the uh, Tamarin are both orange lanterns that we've seen before, like his constructs. Huh, that'd be interesting to go back and look. So, I mean, like, I, I never really put it together, and I mean, I guess if nobody said, you know, it's, you know, the guy's from Tamarin, you wouldn't really put it together. Yeah, I mean, when they give us constructs like Glomulus and Bloom and giant minotaur devil guy, mm-hmm. they're, like, regular orange dude with long hair doesn't really draw yeah. your attention. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. I kind of wish St. Walker's plan at the end there was something a little more interesting or cooler. Because <laughs> he basically goes, Monk, hey Monk, you know that thing that I just tried that did nothing at all? Let's do that again. <laughs> Only this well, time twice as much. Yeah, and it turns out that twice as much of no effect is still no effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although I did like the whole... um uh, this what happened immediately afterwards with Archillo getting between St. Walker and the Invictus. What, as far as... Like, like Archillo's instinct is to protect him. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he is my... my... friend! <laughs> <laughs> Like, Kyle's like, I swear to God, that giant monster was about to say friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it was a good issue. Yeah, and hey, we got to see in that uh, shot where uh, Kyle, Fatality, Arkillo, and Glomulus are all attacking at once. We got to, we got to see Kyle in some uh, really cool armor. Those yes. photo-negative green... <laughs> well, Glomulus is... He has, like, three handguns and a knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, like, you know, once again, I like, this This is one of those comics where I'll reiterate, it's like, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're finding things out. I don't really know where they're going with it, though. You know, because, I still, what? I, I still say Kyle's gonna blow this thing up. What, the orrery? Yes. You mean, like, with all the rings or something? Yes. Like, the the other, the other, either he'll, he'll, like, teleport all the living people off of it first, or the other lanterns will do that for him or something, and he will, like, he'll, like, fight Invictus, and he'll blast it, and it'll explode. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> right now, like, they're leaving this as... You know, the new Guardians have to kill Larflees. Now, obviously, Larflees is going to make it out alive on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not killing Larflees. 
In which case, it's like, okay, well, if you're not going to kill Larflees, then what's what's the alternative? Because <laughs> they pretty much have no power over, you know, uh, Invictus. So, I don't Were know. Did it? I wasn't clear at the end. Like, does Invictus want just Kyle to do it, or the whole group? I think I think he doesn't really mind the details. He's not going to sweat the details. <laughs> you know, he he just wants it to happen. Yeah. You know, what I just thought of what it would be really cool. Like, if they decided to try and trick him and have like Glomulus shapeshift to look like Larflees, and like, or like. Or some, I don't know, or something. like, Or maybe just the ring again. Because, like, they could play it one of two ways. They could, like, go off and then come back and show Invictus Glomulus in the shape of the ring and say, like, look, he's dead. His ring left him. Or they could, like, have him show up as, like, an orange construct of Larflees and play off the whole, like, yeah, when, you know, Larflees died and the ring, the orange ring, Xerox's soul... Here it is, so he's dead. Yeah, that happened. I liked when Blee's showed up and Victus is like, How many colors do you people come in? Uh all of them, duh. <laughs> like I you know, I wonder what would happen if Larvely's actually, you know, defeated Invictus and had an Invictus orange lantern. That wouldn't be any more powerful than a regular construct, would it? Uh, I don't know, because, well, it, it's, you know, it's the same, you know, argument as far as, you know, if you have one ring or several rings, if you have seven rings, then you might subconsciously think that you have more power <laughs> and act out with more power. <laughs> like, which would be, which would be, it's like tying it back to the beginning of the episode, which would be more powerful? The physical copy or the digital download Larflees gets? Do you think Larflees' ring gets Comicsology or just iTunes for everything? <laughs> he has all of them. Oh, good. But he, he insists on DRM so nobody else can take it. <laughs> uh, maybe he set up Comicsology and graphically. He's Marvel's pricing consultant. <laughs> Like we we want to make it a dollar. No, get more. <laughs> um. Okay. So last one. All right. So Red Lanterns number seven, written by Peter Milligan. Yeah, that's it. Written by Peter Milligan, drawn by Ed Benes and Diego Bernard. This is a weird font they they wrote in. It's kind of blurry. Uh, inks by Rob Hunter, Mark Irwin. Sal, <laughs> there's there's four or five anchors, and colored by Nathan Iring with Rod Reese. Okay, so <clears throat> we start off with kind of an awkward sequence where I guess these are surviving members of the Sinestro Corps who, you know, Sinestro shut all the rings down and and uh, start is has he's been purging the universe of his core and dropping them off on Oa and whatever. And there's this ship full of however many ex Sinestro Corpsmen. And they, I guess, just randomly get ambushed by Blees and like a dozen other Red Lanterns who, you know, she's commandeered control of. And she's basically decided, you know what, I'm sick of Atrocitus and all this crap. 
I'm taking control of this situation. Uh, cut to Earth. <clears throat> you have Guy Gardner fighting, I don't know, John, Jim, Chuck, whatever his name is this week. <laughs> and, you know, this guy's inner monologue is running, and he, he can think, but he can't express any of his thoughts. He can't vocalize it. And... You know, Guy Gardner is blatantly, like, he's trying to talk him down. He's trying to, he's just giving him a shield to just pound out his aggression on. But this is this is going nowhere fast. <clears throat> um, until the point that um, our uh, our buddy, what what is what is the name he settled on again? Is it Jack? I honestly can't remember. It's Jack. It is Jack. Okay. He said his name like 28 times last issue, and he didn't say it all this time. So, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Jack finally manages to choke out the words, please help me, which kind of shocks Guy. And then Jack also, because they're fighting in the middle of the freeway, and Jack gets pushes Guy Gardner out of the way of like a massive car crash. And Guy's kind of like, whoa, this is, this is kind of weird, because Red Lanterns are big scary monsters, and I know that myself. Maybe this guy's not all bad, or maybe he he's not beyond help. So while Guy is attending to all these people that just got messed up in the the wreck, <clears throat> Jack's ring just starts pulsating and pulling him into space, um, where Guy can't follow because then he'd be leaving all these people injured in the street. Um, and there's this nice moment where Jack is really freaking out because he's in outer space, you know. The, what does this mean? Does, am I dead? Am I even alive? Because people can't survive out here. What's going on? I'm, am I even human anymore? And, and you know, cut back to Belize. She is, uh... <coughs> 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 She's torturing these remaining Sinestro Corpsmen for, I don't know, for some reason. Um, and she doesn't believe them that Sinestro defected and took out the Sinestro Corps. Um, and then the guy she's, whose skin she's ripping off just starts talking crap about her and how she could never hope to usurp Atrocitus. Now, how, like, one interesting note, Atrocitus is one of the few people that even Sinestro is supposedly afraid of, which is an interesting development, or interesting line there. <coughs> so she freaks out and acids him to death. And it's feeling pretty good about it. Then we cut back to uh, Ysmalt. And Atrocitus is still trying to hunt down, you know, the corpse of Krona or the living Krona who's Krona Krona. (laughs) And he finds this bone city that he apparently built and just forgot about. It has, like, skyscrapers. And he says, like, yeah, it's made out of remains. Yeah. You know, that's all remains. It's skyscrapers, but you know. And <clears throat> we find out it's inhabited by these freakishly deformed creatures that are apparently his first attempt at making red lanterns. So they're, they're, oh god, it's like they're super grotesque horror movie monsters basically i can't think how to describe them like there's lots of visible musculature and bones and there's not really a difference between bone and skin really um 
I think they're headed up by a guy named Abysmus, uh, <coughs> who is yeah, the he's one. Gonna, he's going to show him the business, the Abysmus. Uh, the, uh, that joke was Abysmus. <laughs> um, Abysmus is actually, he's the one that took Krona's body, as is showcased by the fact that he's wearing Krona's skin as, like, a shirt. You can see, you can clearly see Krona's face. And mustache, like, on his shoulder. <laughs> and Atrocitus is like, this is great! Now I can be mad at you! And he starts getting more powerful and starts, like, ripping through all of these monsters. And Abysmus is like, this isn't what I wanted to have happen. You're supposed to be on your last leg and pathetic and all this. And Atrocitus is like, shut up, you smell like Krona, I'ma kill you. But then <clears throat> Jake, or whatever his name is, crash lands on Yusmalt right in front of Atrocitus. And Atrocitus is like, who the hell are you? And uh, thankfully he turned around to say that, turning his back on the big scary monster that picks up a stalactite and stabs Atrocitus through the torso. Which, you know, he doesn't have a heart anymore, but I imagine it hurts anyway. <clears throat> and now it's our new Red Lantern of Earth versus, I don't know, Monster Planet. Okay. What do you think of the issue? Um, okay, here's my thoughts. Yes. Red Lantern on Earth? Uh-huh. Pretty cool. Um, aside from the whole fact that sometime between the reboot and now... Uh, red Lantern vomit, you know, the, the red vomit. <laughs> it no longer corrupts Green Lantern rings. No longer does anything to a Green Lantern ring, apparently. Well, is it that, or is it the fact that it's Guy? Because if there's one Green Lantern out there who shouldn't have a problem with it anymore, it's probably him. Okay, I can buy that. I can buy that. Yay! So, that, 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 that is a good point. So everything where this guy's on Earth, um, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a fascinating story. Everything else sucked. You didn't like... Uh, well, let me ask you. What do you think the point was of this... Well, okay, let me rephrase that. Because the point of this Belize scene at the front <laughs> was was to show us that she's taking steps to try and usurp Atrocitus. Okay, that makes sense. What do you think the point was of it being a ship full of ex-Sinestro Corps members? I don't know. I don't know what the point was. I don't like Blee's, you know, in this role of trying to usurp power, especially considering the fact that I do like her in New Guardians. Yeah. So, I mean, at the, at the very least, she would want Atrocitus out of there. So I think she's trying to, like, rally forces. Like, she wants to have more guys on her side than Atrocitus has on his. Yeah, so I I, I can't, I, I could care less about that whole battle for power. And then at the end, in Bone City with the business, <laughs> it's like, well, where the hell did this come from? And like, who the hell is this disgusting monster? He just came out of nowhere. He's wearing Krona's skin. It's just like... It doesn't make any sense. Did he call Atrocitus' father at some point, too? Well, he did. <laughs> I thought that he was cobbled together from, like, the remains and bones and brought to, to life with 
blood magic or something. Oh, that's cool. I missed that. Nice. I, I, that's what I thought. <clears throat> I don't know. That might be from the next issue, which I'm not really spoiling because <laughs> this is kind of a pile of a shit story anyway. Oh, so do you like Abysmus's character design at all? The, what character design? Well, they they made a conscious decision to like go super gross out monster with him as opposed to every I mean and in a book full of monsters that are ugly you know you they decided they really dialed it up to 11 with him I I don't know I don't I don't get the point of that like especially like when you're set oh god we had to go <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with this book we're at issue 7 and they've gone through, like, a billion types of storytelling, you know, methods <laughs> from, from when we started. Like, first it's, like, you know, Atrocitus giving soliloquies, which was horrendous. <laughs> then we got, you know, Blee's confronting her, you know, her attackers, which was better, but still not great. Then we got Tales from the Red Lantern Corps, which was pretty interesting if that's what we actually got. But we only got part, parts of that over two issues, which was definitely a marked improvement. The human story sucked back then. <laughs> yeah. Then some something happened, and all of a sudden the human story becomes the most fascinating thing in the book. You know, like, they actually, like, he made that work. You know, he, he justified <laughs> that to me. But now it's like, now we're jumping into other things where, you know, Atrocitus is being beat down by Belize. And it's just like, Atrocitus has no direction. Blee's the only direction she has is that she wants to beat Atrocitus. It's just like, it's it's like nonsense. And I read the next issue, and after that, it's just like, I'm just thinking to myself, it's like, where, where do you even go from here? It's almost like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, to me, like, Red Lanterns, I think, is doing very well. Like, very well. Like, uh, like sales-wise? Like, sales-wise. Like, they, they came out with, like, a list of the top ten, well, the lowest ten books that were, you know, possible to get, like, you know, culled if they do uh, another round of the 52. But Red Lantern is, is nowhere to be found on that list. So, for a book that's doing as well as this one should be doing, <laughs> it seems real odd, you know, the directions that they're going in. It's yeah. like, no direction. Am I wrong? Yeah, it, it's kind of all over the place, and it can turn on a dime too. It's so weird how how we absolutely hated one hundred percent of the Earth story, and then out of nowhere it became the best thing about the book. Right. And not because the quality of everything else changed, but because the quality of that went up a lot. Right. And like <laughs> for a while there, like Blee's was the only good thing about the book, and now here, in this issue, she's like, kind of like, what? Uh, what? Right, yeah. <clears throat> and now she just became horrendous. And it's like, the only way that I want to you know, read Blee's now is in New Guardians. Yeah, well, I'm, I wonder what would our perception of it would be if we didn't have that option. You know, like, if this was her only book, she might look better here than she does <laughs> to us right now. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine... It being worse. <clears throat> I did like the visual touch of, like, the Krona skin on him. Because I didn't notice the face at first. 
yeah, no, I, I was looking at the face, and I'm um, looking at what you're saying is the face, and it's, it doesn't really look much like a face. No, yeah, it does. He's got two eyes, a mouth, nostrils, and a mustache. What else could it be? It, it's va- it has hair at the top, I think. It's vaguely head-shaped. It's a Wait, face. Where, where is it? <clears throat> what? On the first shot of Abysmus. Okay. Are you looking at him? I think so, yeah. The, the, and, like, the, the panel where he says, we'll burn you all, that is your fate. Right. Look at his shoulder that's on the right. Like, our... our Left. Wait, his right shoulder, our left. Uh, his right shoulder. Okay. Do you see the big blue spot right there? Um. <clears throat> you're talking about like the the cloth? Yes. Well, yeah. it's not cloth. That's Chrono's skin. Oh. See it now? Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. See. I I didn't notice that at first either. Oh, because oh, I thought that's gross. I thought, man, it's weird that this guy's wearing a ripped T-shirt. Yeah. And then like a panel later, he mentions the skin. I'm like, what? And then I saw the face. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were talking about the other shoulder, where it's got like you could see the muscles. I'm like, is he like trying to like make out a face in the muscles or something? Like the like the tumor shoulder? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no God. Oh God. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Very effective, though. Oh, okay. I, I like the whole, I'm wearing Krona's skin, now I have his power, and Atrocitus is like, eh, no you don't, and then just beats him up. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, man. Hey, on page one... Yeah? Was the guy talking, like, was that supposed to be... Like, was he supposed to be read with a very sarcastic tone? Or... Because I, I wasn't sure what the hell was going on for, like, most of this page. <laughs> no, I don't think it's it's said with, uh... Because, I mean, when he, when he says, you know, just remember those idiots who wasted time... Uh, trying to remove their their yellow power rings were caught and executed in Sinestro's purge. Besides, do we really need ten fingers? But then you look at it and like all of them have a finger miss. Like he's talking about the people in this ship. I think so. It's like what, what he's talking about <laughs> is that the people in this ship, in instead of wasting time trying to remove the ring, they just cut the ring off their hand. Yeah. Which I don't know how that would take any less time. Yeah, but like, like that's what I'm saying because he's talking kind of in the third person about this group and about how, you know, <clears throat> oh remember, remember when those guys, remember when we were all caught and executed after this happened? Yeah, that was great. You know, it's <laughs> it was like one of those kind of moments, but there's nothing to tell you that until afterwards. So it's like you read it straight, and it's like. I'm like, wh- who's what's he de- what's he doing? <laughs> no, I, I I don't I don't really know. I thought it was interesting that this is the scene with Belize is kind of almost the exact same way the series opened with Atrocitus. Yeah, kind of me trying to draw a parallel there for her trying to become the leader of the Red Lanterns or something. Yeah. <laughs> 
there's a panel in the Guy Gardner fight where the word balloons were reversed. Um, where? Uh, the the panel where oh yeah or the page where he start where uh. Fred starts to vomit on the shield and guy shoots yeah. him away. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. I'm, I'm trying to damn well help you. Yeah. Which, that's a nice panel visually, though. Yeah. Would have been awesome if they, you know, didn't screw it up. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't, I don't actually know what's happening with this book. It's just, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Oh, the one thing I didn't like, because I'm... I mean, I've been kind of underwhelmed by the whole visual representation of Red Lantern vomit for the last six months. Okay. Because it's like, it's like they're just opening their mouth like they're talking, and there's just like a cloud leaking out of them. <laughs> <laughs> but like, when Blees kills this last guy... Yeah. Like, he's continuing... It's like, they're doing that thing where like, his body's being eaten away, but his head is the last thing to go, which means he gets to continue talking in complete sentences until his head is gone. <laughs> As opposed to, like, screaming or being dead already. Uh. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I think Blee's knows she's in a better book, so she's just phoning this in <laughs> for the paycheck. That's, that's it. Just for the paycheck. Maybe maybe someday Atrocis will take her to Bone City. That sounds awful. Yeah. It's, it's an innuendo. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. Well, now, the upside is now that our uh, human friend is on on Yasmalt, maybe, maybe he'll bring the quality with him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. How would you? This is something I was thinking about with after reading this group. Okay. What would you say? Like, how would you rank this this month greatest to least? All four of these books. Uh, New Guardians. <laughs> then Green Lantern. Then I, I would have to give it to uh, what do you call it? Green Lantern Core, and then Red Lanterns. Oh, I had a completely different list. Okay. I put Green Lantern Corps at the top. Right. Well, you, you enjoyed that a lot more than I did. Oh, yeah. And then New Guardians. Then Red Lanterns. Then Green Lantern. Really? Yeah. Cause, I mean, I, I was just that underwhelmed by Green Lantern. Whereas with Red Lantern, we still at least had, like... Like, I mean... For all the problems that we're bringing up now, I didn't really have many of them in the front of my mind when I read it. Mm -hmm. Like, I was still... I enjoyed it for the most part. Whereas, like, with Green Lantern, it felt like just complete retread with some really nice panels. Um... <laughs> yeah, I mean... For me... Like, even, even a bad issue of Green Lantern is usually better than, you know, the good issues of, of everything else. Um, 
I mean, that, that, that's that's basically my perspective. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> do you think you'll be able to get some sort of DC Direct figure of a uh, business? Oh God, I I know I, I don't want that. <laughs> Although if they made one of Rancor, I would probably go for that. <laughs> well, you'd have to get a similarly sized Captain Britain to put him next to. They're both wearing the same costume, basically. Shut up. <laughs> uh, I'm putting the de- decals on my uh, my interceptor now. Oh, oh, you figured out how to do that? Yeah, it, it just occurred to me actually. Yeah. So cool. what? Which of the McDonald's toys did you get? Actually, right now I have all of them except for the the Hal Jordan that like is in like a flying position and rolls along. Huh, weird. Yeah, that one is kind of weird. <clears throat> I have all we the just, rest. Did you just buy, like, a cart full of Happy Meals, or did you go just for the toy? Like, did you say, like, hey, can I buy all the toys? Oh, it was multiple trips, but yeah, just got the toys. Hmm. So, what you call it, I, uh, you know, I keep them at work, and I, uh, what do you call it, I actually photograph them for my uh, Instagram. Hmm. So... <laughs> If you followed me on Instagram, you would see. Yep, I sure would. <laughs> uh, <coughs> hey, did you hear about what DC directed? Yeah. Is this not a good thing? Um, you know, well, I mean, I, I dislike change, so. Yeah, but is it really that big of a change, though? I mean, well, the, na- the name is different, but that's cosmetic. They're going from DC Direct to DC Collectibles. Um, and from now on, you're going to be able to buy, you know, more DC Collectibles online, you know, directly from the source. Um, and they're going to have, like, ex- exclusives and stuff like that? Yeah, I think they have, like, a, a, a Green Lantern Sinestro that bust that fits with the Blackest Night bust that Corwin has been collecting for six years. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really cool-looking bust. Yeah, that does look nice. I couldn't find it on the website because it kind of sucks right now, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, the, uh, the organization of the website definitely needs uh, an overhaul. But there was that, and then there was also the uh, Flashpoint box set, where oh, yeah. that will be the only place that you can get Emperor Aquaman and uh, one of the Wayne Casino chips. Yeah. So... I mean, I don't really have much interest in the Wayne Casino set trip, but, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, is it, I like, I definitely like the idea of there being kind of like the one-stop shop place online for DC Direct stuff, as opposed to, like, trying to look all over the place for it. Like, I don't know if they're, like, their prices will probably be higher than other places, but... <laughs> well, I don't necessarily believe that they're going to have everything on there that you can buy at a comic shop. I think that they're going to do exclusives to get people to go to the website, but, I mean, if you could buy it online, you know, I'm sure the stores won't be very happy about that. Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, like, <clears throat> like I go through that every month when I do my order at DCBS. Like, I, like I could buy all of these comics in a physical comic store, but I do it online 
instead because that's more convenient. But at the same time, whenever I'm in the position to go to a comic store, I go and I buy something there. But I don't know. I <clears throat> I'm, I'm I'll, by the way. Oh, okay. Putting all my decals on. Oh good. I'd be interested to see like will everything listed there actually be in stock and for sale? Because it looks like they've put up like everything they've ever made or something like that. Well the the original D C direct website had that too. Oh yeah, but like it but you just couldn't order it. Oh yeah, and like it's one thing to have just like a gallery showcasing all of the stuff you've done. It's another thing entirely to present it as a store and say, "Hey, buy this." Yeah. You know, I mean, like I was looking through and I found like the um, I think it was like the metal green power battery is on there, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, are they going to be making more of that now? Is that what that means? No, that's almost certainly not what that means. Hmm. Well, it's up there and has a price tag, so... Well, do uh, do they have the other batteries? They have, um... They definitely have yellow and red. And I think they have, like, the mini, or the smaller ones. Well, those are all available in store <laughs> still. Yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, I mean, to me, that would be, like, the big advantage to this, is if... If DC Direct, like, brings back or puts into print or whatever, however the term is, like, stuff that has been unavailable for a while, but exclusively through their store, like, that would be, like, that would definitely be a benefit to it, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just, because you're the toy guy, why do you think they did this? Well, it, it would seem to me that the reason that they did it was because, you know, if you say DC Direct, then anybody that's in comics pretty much knows what DC Direct is because you've been exposed to it. But as far as, like, if you are looking at the DC Comics website and you're looking at the top and you have, okay, comics, movies, TV, games, characters, video, blog, fans, shop, and then Direct, you know, nobody knows what that means. That's true. You know, for for a casual fan that's never been exposed to DC Direct, labeling it or rebranding it as DC Collectibles will uh, will definitely help clear up some confusion as far as that goes. Um, now, I mean, if they can offer exclusives and actually, you know, do good business with it, like uh, like how Mattel does with their, you know, MaddieCollector.com website. You know, like, because of that website, Mattel is able to sell certain things that would not be viable in stores. Hmm. So, I mean, you pay a little bit more, but you can get, you know, you get He-Man figures. Um, well, I think from now on, because they just canceled the DC Classics line, um, you know, that's going to be the only place to get the DC Classics figures. So, you know, if... DC can do that, if they can make that viable, then we might actually get, like, an exclusive I don't know, Sinestro in yellow costume you know, action figure? Uh, they don't make Sinestro in yellow stuff, you know that. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Nobody but, wants that. <laughs> you know, like, like things like that. Like, um, 
I don't know. Like, um, we, we both anticipate, and from the teasers, you see Sinestro uh, get inducted to the Indigo tribe. So if they could sell, like, an action figure based on that on the website, you know, that would be pretty cool. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hmm. It seems like a weird thing to do all of a sudden. It's like... Like... Well, if you look at it, they just announced this last week, (laughs) and as we record this, it's the weekend of C2E2. Oh, okay. So, I mean, like, they kind of have a large, like, podium to announce it from. I, I I know. I guess I meant in terms of, like... Like, what was the impetus of this decision? Like, why all of a sudden did they go, you know what, we should really rebrand and launch an online store right now. Ready, go. Like, what, like, what's, did, like, what happened to make them think this all of a sudden, you know, like. Uh, well, they probably, well, it's, it's, it's probably been in the works for a while, especially when you consider they just redid the branding of the logo. You know, they probably said, okay, well, if we're going to do that, then let's see what else, you know, we need to freshen up. And they did <coughs> redo their whole site, too, I guess. So. And then you got, you know, you got the new Dark Knight movie coming along. Mm. So, they'll want to get it out for that. Yeah. Oh. Looking at, they have a Dark Knight Returns Superman versus Batman statue. Huh. It's pretty badass. The Saint. Are you getting the animated series Saint Walker statue? I am. You are. I are. It's like, uh, what is it? $85 on DCBS? Uh, I think so. Let me check. How much is it on their site while I'm looking? Uh, on DC, it's on, like, 125. Yeah, so this is... DC Comics... DC Direct... 84.97. You're almost there. (laughs) Do you think, like, their store... Their online store option is going to affect, like... Like... What shows up in previews now, or something, or, like... Or will it still just be like, okay, we'll do one or two exclusives, but everything else is still just like it was? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, they, they announced the Sinestro statue and the uh, the Flashpoint box set. Um, now, I mean, we, we know, like, that from when they announce things to when they actually roll them out on the website can be quite a while. So... It's like, Sinestro statue, everybody. Also, Crypto's totally gonna fight Rage Kitty. (laughs) They'll both happen in the same month. The soundtrack to the battle will be Jeff Johns reciting the Orange Lantern Oath. Yeah. Shut your mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, what you call it? That's another thing to talk about as far as the uh, Mattel cancel production of DC collectibles as well as the Young Justice action figures. Yeah. Is that the... Well, it's not DC collectibles. Uh, DC Universe or something? Yeah, well, DC Classics, DC <laughs> Universe. Oh, okay, okay. Is that the one that they've been doing with um, 
which wave? What, what, which one is that? <laughs> okay, well, recently they just had the wave that duplicated everything that DC Direct had done with the uh, Blackest Night. Oh, like with the orange Lex and all that? Right. Okay, those guys. And then the wave right after that was another mm-hmm. duplication of DC Direct's figures with uh, most of the Brightest Day figures. Hmm. So that's, you know, one can uh, <clears throat> imagine that that might be one of the reasons why, you know, character selection and whatnot, especially when you have another company that's actually making really great figures, you know, and they already made them <laughs> a year before you. Yeah, like, was it really, like, like one-to-one, like, this entire wave is the exact same as what DC Direct just did? Well, DC Direct only puts out four figures in a wave. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, it's, you know, slightly different, but, yeah, I mean... Blue Lantern, Flash, um, Violet, Wonder Woman, um, the White Lantern, Hal, and Black Lantern, Hal were both exclusives, but those were in the wave. Um, Yellow Lantern, uh, Scarecrow, it is, yeah, Orange Lantern, Lex, it was basically, you know, the two, you know, best waves, the, the, the best figures from the Blackest Night, you know, DC Direct sets, transitioned right into the Mattel set. So, and then on top of that, like, if you looked at the figures they were soliciting for the first wave of the DC Classics that was going to hit retail, you had, like, I don't know, I think there was a Superman, there was, uh, Larflees was going to be in one of the waves, or and then uh, there was a Flashpoint Plastic Man figure, and what? then a Superboy Prime figure. <laughs> Wait, Flashpoint Plastic Man looks exactly like regular Plastic Man, only with, like, fangs. No, it was different. It was def- it was a little different. Like, he first off, he was, like, more, like, muscular, and the costume was slightly different. It was just... But, I mean, like, what's the point? Like, what kid, let alone collector, is going to want a Plastic Man figure? <clears throat> based on Flashpoint. Oh, that's true. I, Plastic Man figure's one thing. Plastic Man figure based on Flashpoint... Like, I think they sold Plastic Man as an exclusive at a con because they didn't think that the you know there was going to be enough demand to warrant a Plastic Man figure in stores. And yet here they are doing a Plastic Man... You know... Oh god! I, I mean, if you if you got inventive with the sculpt or something, or like like maybe not even a figure, because stretchy figure you would have to make Stretch Armstrong, but Plastic Man. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, and it was just a regular figure. There, I don't even know if there were any attachments or anything. Well, there was. It, they had like a thing like he could become a briefcase and all that kind well, of. That thing. was the original action figure. <clears throat> oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, if, I could see, like, a Plastic Man statue being really cool, because, like, you could really, like, play with, like, the contortions and all that stuff, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's weird they're still coming out with Flashpoint stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually, <laughs> I have the image. Check, check this out. Is this the, the Flashpoint Plastic Man figure? That... This is Series 1. Huh. Yeah. Gotta say, Plastic Man doesn't look that great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Superboy, Superboy. All right, let's see here. All right, Superboy Prime is very blatantly an adult, and he has Ben Stiller's face. <laughs> Larflees looks like a fish. Kind of, yeah. Batman Beyond looks good. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, that was the only good one. <laughs> and this is the wave that's not happening anymore, right? Yeah, well, what happened was, this was the first uh, wave that was announced, and, you know, the, then there were, like, two other waves afterwards. Mm. Um, and then they decided that, okay, well, that's not going to happen. So then they came out with a revised list, and that was these three figures. You have... Uh, the new universe Superman, new universe Batman, Red Robin, <laughs> and Superboy Prime. Thank God Superboy Prime stayed in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Superman and Batman figure, you know, they look good. I mean, the Superman figure would have been awesome because that'll probably be the first, um, you know, new universe Superman figure based on that costume. Yeah. Although DC Direct will be coming out with one soon enough also, so. <laughs> but, you know, uh, the... It's it's kind of discouraging to see that it's Superman and Batman and teenage Superman and teenage Batman as opposed <laughs> as opposed to like like a more eclectic group of characters. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's and there was a Supergirl in the original waves. Um, that I think it was black black costume Supergirl. Yeah. Yeah. It was just. It's weird, and I don't understand. But it's canceled now, so I feel bad for John because all the, uh, you know, that they didn't even finish making the the, the original team for the uh, Young Justice. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> they didn't. Ca- did they cancel the Miss Martian figure? No, she's out. All right. Uh, Miss Martian is out. She's in a two two box uh, two two character set. Um. But Artemis will never be available in 4-inch. And in actuality, uh, so that means they also canceled the Green Lantern Hal Jordan figure. Oh. So you'll be able to get that. That figure looks good, too. Actually. But you see, that's that's the thing, though. Um, If you go on eBay... God, how much did you pay? If you go on eBay... (laughs) <laughs> and you know you you type in Young Justice Green Lantern, then some of the Japanese like uh, test shots, like now this is a figure that will never be like you know commercially produced, but the test shots got made, and they sell them on eBay. And there's not too many left, so I actually grabbed one for I think it was less than fifteen bucks. Hmm. Do you have it or is it like? Well, I I just ordered it because as soon as I found out. <laughs> but uh I mean like that's gonna be that's gonna be a cool one. <laughs> the only Green Lantern figure like, you know, that I own that's never been actually produced. Are you looking now? I am. I'm also co- I'm contemplating if I could if I could resell it and buy a battery. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> oh that actually looks better than the the convention shot. So, you know, the, some of the figures in the in the Young Justice line look really good, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Like I just saw, I just looked at a picture of the Miss Martian figure, and it's like awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and that one was actually produced. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I will be <clears throat> the proud owner of a Green Lantern figure that never actually existed. <sighs> it's it's like. It's like how like Power Girl was left over after the first crisis, even though she, <laughs> <laughs> like you, your figure was retconned out, <laughs> but it still exists somehow. <laughs> Although I have to say, if you are considering getting a, a Green Lantern, you should probably get it before this episode goes up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're about to tell our eight trillion listeners. <laughs> to go get the to go snipe the damn things. Yeah, yeah. So. Hell, you th- hell, John and Meg probably are probably gonna clean out eBay. <laughs> well, John John's got it. Oh, he does already. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He pro- he probably broke into the Chinese factory. <laughs> oh man, yeah, the Martian Manhunter, uh, the, Mar- the Miss Martian figure is pretty cool looking. Yeah. <clears throat> are these the same size? No, they're bigger than. These are four, are, four and a quarter inch. Are they like? Do they match with some other line or something too? Or am I thinking of something else? I think they're probably close to the uh, Justice Justice League Unlimited figures. Okay. I, I'm a little I bigger, maybe. Yeah, maybe a little bit bigger. <clears throat> yeah, those are four inches. So these are just a tiny bit bigger. Which makes sense because they're teenagers. Yeah. Well, I, th- and I think the adults are like slightly taller than them too, which makes sense. Yeah, that's the cool thing about this line. It's like it's Young Justice, and they have like the main, like the kids and everything. But they, you also can assemble, like if you don't care about the kids, you can assemble like a Justice League because they have like Green Lantern, Aquaman, Batman. Uh, Black Canary's in there. I think Captain Adam, Captain Marvel, maybe. I forget. Well, they, Martian were, going, on there. they were going to have a Green Lantern. <clears throat> yeah. Not oh, anymore. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This better not be bad news for this show, because this is a fantastic show. It's typically bad news for the show. Because <laughs> what you call it, uh, the Thundercats, they they canceled the line at, at Toy Fair, uh, Toy Fair this year, a couple of months ago. Bandai had nothing to show. Man. And everybody's like, wait a second. You know, you're producing toys for Thundercats. Mm. Like, why wouldn't you have something to show? And the reason is because the line's been canceled, as as the cartoon. Hmm. But those figures were bad. Yeah. And I know Young Justice's second season is supposed to start, like, like in a week or so. So hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll get at least a season two out completely. <laughs> we'll see. God, seriously, have you watched that show? You need to. It's yeah, no, I've seen a couple of episodes. No, watch all of them. They are fantastic. They're not, like, they're not all available. I don't know. <laughs> so. find, find them somewhere. I don't care. How much did you pay again? It was under 15 bucks. Okay. Because I found one, because you know me and eBay, I found one that's like sixteen ninety nine with free shipping. Oh, that's the buy it now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you watch the other auctions, you might be able to get something a little bit cheaper. 
Yeah, I'll never remember to do that. <laughs> and if it's just a difference of a few bucks, then it's like, ah, yeah, why not? <clears throat> and I'll think about that. Uh, Okie doke. Yes. Um, uh, close this out. Oh yeah, yeah, we should do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, as the lawnmower is about to get closer. So if you like to contact us, uh, go to lanterncast.com. That's our portal site for all of our information. You know, you've got our forum there. You just click the forum button. Um, <clears throat> it's not the comics forums anymore, but you know, still go there anyway too, I guess. But you know, ours is through our website. So come, register, it's super easy, super fast, and just enjoy talking to people, as we do. Or you can call us at 708-LANTERN, it's our voicemail line. Uh, our email is lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, just search LanternCast. And yeah, we're on iTunes too, which is probably where you're hearing this. So have, yeah. have, have fun, everybody. <laughs> Good, good night? I don't know. Did, what you we... the, did you give him the voicemail number? Yes. Okay. I think. What is it? 708 Lantern. Yeah, that's what I said. Awesome. Okay, everybody. Uh, we'll be back at some point. Yep. Night. <laughs>